Are you happy? I got your notebook. <laughs> well, you come up here. Come up here with me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on down. This is my girl. It's a secular song called My Girl. I'm talking about my girl. My girl. This is my girl. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, we left a little late yesterday. Uh, I had to work all day. And so I, you know, I finally got home to, to pack. <laughs> but it's, it's so great. It's that the presence of the Lord is in this place. Mm -hmm. He's here. And, mm -hmm. and um, we honor the pastors of this house. We're so happy to, that you were able to come and serve you today. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And um, I was just thinking, uh, I say, what can I say to the people of God today? Um, briefly. And uh, the only thing that came to me is to tell you to take heed that you be not deceived. There's um, this a lot going on, and it's deception comes easily and quickly, mm. and before you know it, you don't even know you was deceived. Mm. So I just, just encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your heart pure, clean, mm -hmm. clean heart, always keep a clean heart. Mm -hmm. If there's any malice, anything that you have against someone, correct it. Don't go to sleep with things in your heart that are not pure. Mm. Create, I always say, create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me, Lord. Mm -hmm. And the people, I'm telling you, the devil will use anybody, your family, anybody mm. to, to attack you and make you ir irritated and agitated. So... That's all I have to say, but just make sure you keep your heart pure. Mm -hmm. It's good. That's a good thing. That's a good place to always be. Always be. Amen. You through? Okay. I was about ready to get my notebook out. Here. Take Thank you so much. All right, I have a mic. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's uh, definitely an honor to be here with you. We consider it. Um, it's a great thing to be with uh, men and women of like precious faith and um, to run together. Uh, you know, you. You do something for a week, that's one thing. You do something for a year, that's another. If you start doing it 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you're kind of like, well, you know, I, I think there's something to this. <laughs> Amen. But then you find others on the journey also. It, uh, I mean, it's such, such, such a blessing. And so always an honor to be here with you guys here at New Life. And um, as I was telling Morgan as we pull up, I said the fact that the name of the church is New Life should indicate that you shouldn't be thinking about the old life. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But um, 
I thank, thank God for Pastor Bob and, and Ned, and thank God for the excellence of ministry um, that's exhibited here. Um, I wanted to be here with you last month for the ICFM meeting, and um, <clears throat> I wound up going to Bogota, Colombia, with uh, Brother Copeland, and then uh, Brother Jerry, and uh, who else came? Jesse and Keith Moore. They all showed up and had the first uh, Latin American uh, Believers Convention. Yeah. So had people from 31 nations that were represented there. And, um, you know, you're sitting in a restaurant, right? And all of a sudden, you can tell somebody watching you. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't see them, but you know something is, somebody's watching you. And so one of th that happened when I was there. Um, we stayed at the Hilton Hotel there in Bogota. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, somebody's staring at me. And I turn around and look, and sure, they were staring at me. <laughs> it's amazing. You got, you, can, you got feelers behind you, right? And, um, and so uh, just so happened... Uh, one of the guys that with Brother Copeland, he's a translator, he came over to me and he said, um, he said, Pastor Clyde, I want to introduce you to some people. I said, okay. And it was those people that were staring at me. <laughs> and, but they spoke Spanish. They didn't speak English. So he uh, translated and said, hey, I want you to introduce you to Pastor Clyde Oliver. He's in Florida and da-da-da. And, and, um, and, and they, they're like, we know you from somewhere. We know you from somewhere. I'm like, oh, okay. And so, uh, long story short, they remember the cover of the magazine, uh, Kenneth Copeland Believer's Voice of Victory magazine, and they said, we read your story. We appreciate everything in it. We just love it. And, um, and we were thinking, Mama, is that man? Is that that man? Or, you know, I said, yeah, I'm that man. <laughs> so praise the Lord. And, uh, but anyway, Thank God for the people we got to meet down there. But because of that, I wasn't able to come here. And also, there's something else that, that I'm doing business-wise that out of my life has just got real, real busy. And um, going and coming this year, uh, March, my wife and I, we went to the Seychelles off the east coast of Africa, about 1,100 miles from Nairobi, out in the Indian Ocean, and um, beautiful white sandy beaches. And um, the destination, you need to be on your bucket list. Uh, the mountains and everything, they seem magical, like you thought you were at Disney or something like this. And um, one of the islands we went to, that's nothing but turtles live on the island. And, and uh, that's why they live over 200 years, because they don't have no men that live there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of turtle soup, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, so we were there, and then um, uh, in uh, May, we were in uh, Dubai, and uh, traveling there, and there for about a week or so, and Dubai, you want, that's another place you would love to go. Um, it's a newer, newer, newer city, and it's amazing to see when you just let your imagination go, uh, what happens and when you got the resources to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and so they're not lacking anything over there that, you know, from what we have here. And um, 
And I, I'm, I'm like, wow, this is interesting. You know, exposure expands you. Uh, sometimes it pays to get away from the house every now and then and get to see something a little different, get to interact with people. And of course, uh, as I do that as a Christian, I recognize this fact that we all are, uh, we all, we all are human beings. We all, we all are family. You know, regardless of what, who you serve or whatever, we all come from God, you know, and um, I don't know, I just fell in love with people, and um, I don't care who you are, or what you look like, you know, I'm like, man, most people don't recognize that they, are cre- they were created in the image of God. See, I, I understand that we were, we were born to win, but we've been conditioned to fail. And, um, and when I see people, I, I, I just want to help everybody. Yeah. You know, you see people, you just want to lift them up. And, uh, and so um, we try to do our part um, in doing that. And so anyway, all crisscrossing the United States and all this kind of stuff. But a lot of good things are happening. But I'm not here to talk about all those things. I'm here for you today. Praise God. And um, we bring greetings to you from our church, Maranatha Christian Center, there in Melbourne. Uh, my daughter, Colette, she's ministering uh, this morning. Um, <clears throat> and she's doing a little, she does a little bit of everything, you know. <laughs> she ministers, she leads worship. Um, and anything need to be done, call Colette. You know, she's about this tall. You know, they say, call the short girl, you know. <laughs> she makes sure that it gets done. And uh, she's such a blessing. And just so happened, praise God, that her daughter, her youngest daughter, is, is still there with us. Both, uh, both my, our granddaughters both graduated from University of Florida. And some people say, I'm sorry for that. But anyway, because <laughs> they graduated from Florida State, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but all of them are preachers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of them are preachers, and um, they love God. And uh, I'm praying for spouses for them. And uh, where my daughter is concerned, she was, she was married and, and uh, the person that she was with decided it, he didn't want to be with her no more and just kind of left. And so she's been single for about 20 years. But 11-11, she's getting rehitched. <laughs> Amen. So we thank God for that. <laughs> and... Um, Marry somebody from that, that like the Dallas Cowboys. Now I don't like the Cowboys, but anyway, <laughs> I said, I said, well, okay, we just we just overlooked that, okay? <laughs> so anyway, but uh, so we're excited for them, and um, you know, and what God is doing. You know, life has a lot of changes. You know, life can throw a lot of things at you, and um, you just need to be ready for change. If you think everything's gonna be perfect. You're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, so, and some people say, well, I thought when I got saved, everything going to be straight. <laughs> it is straight. You just got to keep walking straight. <laughs> Amen. You're going to enter in at the straight gate <laughs> if you keep walking straight. But uh, uh, I just decided, you know, while we're here, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to help people and um, try to make it easier for them while they're here, you know. And um, I just love everybody. I'm serious. I just love everybody. You know, um, the world is not like that, but God is. 
Amen. And I realize regardless of who we are and, and, and people like to separate, divide and conquer and stuff like that and keep you away from one another. You always got the rich and the poor. You got the, the, the different, they call races. There's only one race, it's a human race. <laughs> if you ain't part of the human race, you're from somewhere else. Amen. <laughs> but bottom line, we, we, we all are cousins. Did you hear what I said? We all are cousins. And um, I don't know, I've, I've just been seeing more and more through the eyes of God and uh, just loving people because I realize we have a common enemy that doesn't like any of us. <laughs> I don't care how much you have, how much, how much resources you have, where you live. I don't care what you drive. He doesn't care, you know, <clears throat> what your last name is. He hates mankind. Amen. And um, the feeling is mutual where I'm concerned. I hate him too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and um, I want to try to get as many people delivered from him as I can while I'm here on this earth. And so I tell people, you know, um, when I turned uh, 50, I started over. So actually I'm 15 right now. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said, oh, I don't want to be 15 again. You ought to try it. It'd be pretty good, you know. <laughs> you think you got all this energy and everything, and rather than, as you said, grunting all the time. <clears throat> oh, my God, my back. You know, you know, 15-year-olds don't be talking about that. So you have a different conversation. Matter of fact, if you look at the um, television, they cater the uh, advertising according to the demographics. So you never see uh, them talking about uh, rheumatoid arthritis on the cartoon channel. <laughs> that means we need to watch more cartoons. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, but I remember way back when. Yeah, I know. And they, they're going to remind you of who you are and where you are and what you ought to be experiencing. And uh, <laughs> go around, hang around with kids. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and uh, I tell you, it makes a difference the way you think and the way you walk, too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. And uh, when something comes up that kind of reminds you of what your age is, just say, I rebuke that thought. I cast it down in Jesus' name. I'm going to hang around with the grandkids or the great-grandkids. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, because they are young, and they don't, they don't know nothing about problems. They need to be around them. <laughs> Sometimes we're too grown. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Jesus said we need to become like a little children. Amen. Oh, my God. I've seen that more and more, becoming like a little child and uh, seeing things through the lenses of a child. You know, it's everything is possible. Yes. See, we become grown and all of a sudden, I don't know about that. You know, but little kids, that they, they think they're Superman, Superwoman, you know, bionic man, you know. My wife has this little uh, ionizer. Little thing you hang around your neck and has, when you turn it on, has two blue dots. And so when we went to Dubai, she, she had one and she gave me one. I just put it on because she told me. <laughs> Amen. But it changes the atmosphere, supposedly, kill all the stuff around you and all this. And somebody saw me, they stood there and looked at me. They said, What's that? I said, I'm Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. So she had hers on last night as we were riding over here. 
and she just slept the whole time because <coughs> she was an iron woman. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I have um, something I want to talk to you about. I believe God that is going to assist you in your walk with the God, and um, you're going to go to new levels. Amen. And um, again, we all face challenges in life and because uh, <laughs> we're not in heaven yet. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So uh, some people forget that and, they, and they, they get upset and they go throw a temper tantrum and all. I say, baby, you're not in heaven yet. You're still on the earth. And uh, on the earth, for the most part, nobody likes you. <laughs> it's in heaven where there's all this love, you know. I'm trying to share some of it here, you know, let heaven come to the earth. But uh, for the most part, folks don't care about you. They take advantage of you, run over you, you know, spit on you, do all kind of stuff. But I said it takes somebody with the love of God in them to show something different. Amen. We realize that we are our brothers and our sisters. Keeper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I want to say, okay, what's your scripture? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, I will have one. Matter of fact, I'm just trying to figure out which one I should start with. <laughs> That's the thing. You have, you have too many of them. But the, the thing is, you stand up on the diving board, you just, just jump. Amen. Either jump or get down. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Somebody who a preacher, sit down. Amen. <laughs> so I want to turn your attention to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Again, I want to talk to you about something that um, we all deal with. And again, I want to win in life. Um, I want to win every time. I don't want to win a few and lose a few. No, I believe you create a culture of winning and uh, it's infectious. Other people get around you and um, it rub off on them as well. <coughs> Which lets us know that we get to choose who we get to hang around with. We get to choose who we listen to. We get to choose who we have to be our role models. We get to make all those choices. Sometimes they're in our home and sometimes they're not. Amen. <laughs> sometimes you find them outside of your home and uh, God will lead you to people and uh, bring people before you. Sometimes you may not ever meet physically uh, and have a conversation but you have an opportunity to observe and in your observing them God began to teach you and that's what God wants to do with all of us he wants us to be living epistles that when people see us that they catch our faith and learn from us how wonderful it is to live in Christ Jesus amen praise the Lord so here in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10 I'm reading from the New King James, <clears throat> verse number 35. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, 
My soul has no pleasure in him. Hmm. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You know, it's important that you know who you are. Huh? I think one of the biggest challenges we have on the planet is an, we have an identity crisis. And too many times we identify with the wrong things. You know, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But yet most people in their life, they just deal with the old things. They never get to the place where they begin to deal with the new. They never see themselves as being a new creation. Because they're constantly reminded, because sometimes because of the folks that are around them, <laughs> that always remind you of who you are and what you used to do. Yeah. Oh, I know who you are. <laughs> I know what you did. And, and, and see, when that happens, we have to remind ourselves, what did God say about us? Amen. It's not what everybody else say about us. What did God say about us? I believe procrastination is the number one enemy of your life mission. You know what you're supposed to do, but you don't get around to doing it. You keep putting it off. That's a deadly enemy. But a close second to procrastination is discouragement. If Satan can't get you to put off your life mission, he'll try to make you quit altogether. He'll try to neutralize you. And most people don't even recognize when it happens. What does he try to do? He tried to neutralize you, make us ineffective. If I'm going to fulfill the purpose for which I was uh, born, which I was made, I must learn to resist discouragement. A simple thing. In Galatians chapter 6, it tells us, uh, don't grow weary in doing what's good. But you know what most folks do? They, get, they grow weary in doing good. <laughs> They're doing the right thing, but they get, because if everything happened within a couple of weeks of when you initiated, then you're okay. But most of the time, it's not going to happen within a couple of weeks. You know, you pray a prayer. And if that prayer was answered within a couple of weeks, you're going to like, praise the Lord. Yeah. You, tell, you tell your family, don't worry about it. We'll get this in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but nine times out of ten, that's not the way it's going to happen. Sometimes it, it may take uh, years before the prayer is finally answered in your life what you prayed for. And in the meantime, you ha we, we have to learn how to deal with our soul, with our thought life. And guess what? Our thought life, what we think, is a choice. That does not mean that the discouraging things that are coming at us, that they're going to stop. That just means you're shifting your focus. Amen. And Hence, that's why we have God's word is here to help us.
See, I discovered that when we are discouraged, we become ineffective. God cannot use discouraged people. Why? Because discouraged people are the opposite of the people of faith. God uses people who have faith. God uses people who believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Discouraged people don't even consider that. I'm talking about Christians. When I'm discouraged, I'm saying it can't be done. That's the exact opposite of saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have a few questions to ask you. How do you handle failure? Somebody said failure? Yeah, we all have opportunities to fail. To deny it means you're living in a state of denial. When things don't go your way, when plans don't happen the way you want them, do you start getting grumpy? You probably all remember uh, John Osteen and, uh, from Houston, Texas. People used to ask, he, he used to, you know, he was always a crack, up, a crack telling jokes and stuff like that. He said, people asked him, said, uh, Brother Osteen, when things are not going right, I said, um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, do you feel like, you, are you grumpy? He said, no, I let her sleep. <laughs> Guess what? Dodie's still living, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when things not going away, do you start getting grumpy with, with one another? Do you, do you uh, get frustrated? Do you start complaining? Mm. Do you start having pity parties? <clears throat> do you finish what you start? How would you rate yourself on persistence? Do you keep at it regardless of what's going on? Or you sit down by the roadside and say, you know what? I quit. See, these are all things that we have to deal with part of the human experience, whether you're a Christian or not. Amen. <laughs> See, I discovered as I've been on the earth, like I said, for 15 years, that the difference in people's lives, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is the little extra that you do. Sometimes the difference between winning and losing is just a little bit. It's not the wide chasm. It's just a little bit. It's the actions that we take every day regardless of what's going on. No doubt, P. 
people are discouraged because of their children. You know, Pastor, how can you talk about stuff like I'm a pastor? And I deal with people all the time. And you listen to people, and I, I listen more than I talk. You learn to listen to people, and people will tell you about their pain. I wish they listened to me as often as I listened to them. Because <laughs> some people, they get in the place, they just keep talking about the same things over and over and over and over. Matter of fact, uh, they tell you about some things that have been going on in their life. And um, you ask them, say, baby, when did that happen? That happened back in 1962. <laughs> Why are we bringing that forward? Evidently, it was something that they never dealt with. And uh, we, we got to learn how to deal with stuff and move on. Recognize what you can change and what you can't change. Amen. And uh, just, just recognize some things, they're under the blood. And let it stay under the blood. And when folks come in, bring it, bring it back up to you, just ignore them. Amen. Some people, deal, they're discouraged about their marriage. <clears throat> Not what they thought it would be. I remember one lady, she was talking, she said, uh, she, after the honeymoon, she said, hmm, that's what that was about? She wasn't that impressed. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Hate to have been the man. <laughs> People feel deflated and disappointed. Some people are discouraged about ministry, finances, health, hmm? economy, unanswered prayer. Most folks can get along pretty good if they felt like all their prayers were answered. They don't have to worry about who, who the president is or who the governor is or who the the school board and, you know, who the employee is, if they got all their prayers answered. Matter of fact, I think it was T.L. Osborne said the number one reason people backslide is because of unanswered prayer. I'm like, man, really? Number one reason. Because of what? Unanswered prayer. Now, most folks don't pray according to the word anyway. <laughs> they just pray for what they want. And there's some merit in that, just being, learn how to speak and just articulate yourself. But everything must be based on what God said. Second yeah. Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says, all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. How many of them? All of them. And see, when walking with, as a Christian, we learn to, to trust God. Of course, Proverbs tell us chapter 3. To trust in the Lord and all your ways to acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Some people say, well, okay, well, I prayed the prayer. What I do between the amen and there it is? That's where we miss it. And that's where oftentimes the devil gets the upper hand. And that's where we begin to, uh, we, we get defeated in life. We get discouraged and we want to throw in a towel when we say this stuff doesn't work. 
And uh, I don't know why I go to church anyway. Well, what's the opposite of going to church? Go to the club and see how it works there. Go there, get drunk, get high, get laid up, get messed up. Yeah, well, what's, the, what's the alternative? Some people say, I'm, not, I'm just not going to church no more. Okay, well, sit there, watch your TV. Be filled with doubt and unbelief. Just entertain yourself with that. That's not going to help you win. That's not going to get rid of your discouragement. You, 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 you're trying to escape. But guess what? We're not called to escape. We're called to rise up and to defeat the challenges that we face in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Amen. You got to know who you are. Every day when you get up, you have to know who you are. With the movie uh, Lion King, Simba, remember who you are. Too many times we as believers, we don't remember who we are. And what we have to remember who we are and whose we are. Amen. Amen. So pastor, people ask me, so pastor, how you deal with life? I'm dealing with the way I talk to you about it. Amen. Oh, man, I have some, I have some, some big things come at me for discouragement. Man, I'm telling you some big old stuff. And... Uh, Matter of fact, what, you can be in the bed asleep, yeah. and all of a sudden someone wake you up. Hey, yeah. what you going to do about this? What you going to do about that? that? I really was not thinking about doing anything right now, <laughs> but sleeping. It's amazing. Your thought life can control you to the point where you're suffering from insomnia. But yet I remember a scripture that tells us that he who keeps Israel doesn't slumber nor sleep. See, we don't just learn scriptures just so we can quote scriptures. We learn scriptures so we can apply them in our everyday life. Amen. So when I'm awakened, I have one of two choices. I get up. And because uh, most of the time it's not the Lord that wakes you up that time of night. <laughs> Especially when you just went to bed an hour earlier. <laughs> um, it's something unresolved things that you're dealing with. And uh, <clears throat> so you got to get up and say, okay, how are we going to manage this? Get in the word, pray in the Holy Ghost. And uh, sometimes you already know what to say, just start talking. Because I find out that when you start talking, the devil shuts up so, he, so you can finish, till you finish. Just don't finish. <laughs> Amen. Just don't finish. Just keep talking. That's what he does. Because if you stop talking, he'll start talking back. And he'll just keep talking and keep talking until you start talking. <laughs> Amen. And then I find out when I get up and... Um, I just started walking. I started praying in the Holy Ghost. It's about yeah, 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm walking through the house. You know, they got all these, um, all this electrical stuff in the house now. It to give off light. Yeah. 
You don't have to turn no light switches on. You can walk through the house and see everything. Don't walk into anything. I just walk through the house and start praying. Just start praying, and all of a sudden I get sleepy. You know what that means? The devil, he, he just left. <laughs> Amen. So I just pray a little bit longer before I lay down. Amen. <laughs> I want to say something to you. It may sound mean, but it isn't. It's the truth. I say this in love. If you are discouraged, that's your choice. You have chosen to be discouraged. Discouragement is always a choice. It comes from thinking discouraging thoughts. <laughs> and, and you can change your thoughts at any time. You have a choice of what you're going to focus on. Either your purpose or your problems. God's power or your weakness. Christ or your circumstances. It's our choice. That's why the scripture tell us what to say. Let the weak say. Is that what most people say? No. Most people say if they're weak, they say I'm weak. Most folks say if they broke, they broke. But that's not the scripture way of living. See, when we become a Christian, we have an opportunity to live the supernatural life. We're not just natural men. We're not just mere men and women. No, no, we sh we've made a shift. Most times people made a shift and don't recognize where they are. And they still try to live in the new place like they're still in the old place. That's why we have church. That's why we have the teaching of the word. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why um, we do all these things so we can learn how to live and walk the supernatural life. And people, when they see you, when you're doing that, they're trying to figure out why you got so much peace. I know what's going on in your life, but you don't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it bothers you. What you smoking? <laughs> You know, that's why, that's why the uh, drugs coming across the border in such high demand because people don't know how to deal with their thought life. And they want something to anesthetize them, to, to, to pull them back away from, from all this stuff. You know, I was, I was there in Bogota. I met this one gentleman. Um, he actually worked for uh, Dr. Jerry Savelle's ministry. And he told me, he said, he said, Brother Clyde, he said, you know, this is not my first time here. I'm like, oh? He said, yeah. He said, uh, before I became a Christian, he said, uh, I had another life. So, okay, most folks do it. But. So he continued to tell me his story that uh, he used to come to Colombia because he worked with Pablo Escobar. They used to run together. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. He said, uh, they were like this. Like, okay. You know, Pablo, Pablo Escobar was just a businessman. He just had a product that some folks said you shouldn't have. Because they couldn't tax it. 
you know, they used to have an alcohol pro prohibition, you know, but then as soon as they figure out they could tax it, then okay, y'all can, can have your alcohol. Yeah, so Pablo, Pablo, uh, you know, I felt, I felt bad for him when, it, when he got, when they, they wound up killing him. Somebody said, oh, why you, could you feel bad for him? Because you know what, he's part of the human experience too. And uh, I would love to have seen him save a fiery evangelist, you know, but most of the time they didn't just take him out because they hate drugs. They took him out because they wanted to move in on his territory. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Yeah, praise the Lord. Okay, you didn't give me what I want, so now, okay, I'll go take you out. And I have the authority to do it. Yeah, it's amazing how we treat one another sometimes. But anyway, this gentleman was telling me, he said, um, he said, yeah, the, uh, at the time he was living in California, he said that he was, um, he had a reputation. And people didn't mess with him or anybody that he put up. And he said that uh, he saw this, these one guys getting ready to mess with this other guy. And he stepped in. He said, he didn't know why. He said, just stepped in and said, y'all leave him alone. And everybody backed off because he said it because he had a reputation. Now, he didn't do nothing, but he had some other folks that care, take care of stuff for him. You know, give you a whipping or whatever, you know. And so he said um, he did not know, but this was Pablo Escobar's brother. And his brother told him one day, I want to introduce you to my brother. And that's how he got to know Pablo Escobar. They became real close. And Pablo said, you know, you, look, you looked after my brother? He said, I look after you. Well, the DEA wind up, you know, long story short, they wind up raid, raiding this um, gentleman's home, got $30 million in cash, took several kilos, and um, he had such a relationship with Pablo that Pablo would just send him stuff on credit because he knew he was good for his word. And... Um, and he said that, you know, they had a good relationship. He, he would be in Pablo's home and all this and travel around to his different houses and all this kind of stuff. I mean, like real, real close, like brothers. And he said that uh, he went to prison. He was in prison for 19 months. And the whole case was thrown out because the DA did not have a search warrant to come into his house. He said, I'm grateful for every day. Now, they ain't giving that 30 million back. We don't know where that went, but I don't know how Moss may have got it or somebody, you know. But anyway, it's amazing where money, people collect money, you don't know where that money wind up. Yeah. There's no accounting for it, you know. We need to have that printed in the back of the newspaper every, every week. Okay, what happened from this money from the drug bust? Matter of fact, where are the drugs? So anyway, so I'm talking to him. He's so, he's so grateful. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. He said, I don't have no problems. He said, I had a problem, but I don't have no problems now. He said, I'm grateful every day I get up. He said, it's so good to be able to go where you want to go. 
He said, I was facing life in prison with, without a possibility of parole. What am I telling you about this? Because you and I, we get to control our thought life. And so with all the stuff that he's going on, he had going on in his life, he could have gotten bitter. So them people took my stuff. They took 30 million from me. He could go and let that stuff fester until the point where he began to act, to get revenge. Who were the people that came in and did? Who made this decision? You know, when you get going down that road, the devil will show you. He'll open the door and let you see. And wonder why all of a sudden you back in prison or you dead. Because you didn't control your thought life. And you could say, well, it can be discouraging. Because, quote unquote, you had the life. You didn't, um, you didn't owe anybody anything. You could take care of your family. Mama didn't lack for anything. Mama just mentioned it, and you take care of it. And all of a sudden, here you are now, and you're just starting from scratch. You know, when you've been handling multiple millions of dollars, it's a challenge to go from that to go back to, as he said, finding a normal life. Because there was nothing normal about what you were doing. And so the only way that uh, things can happen is the word of God began to affect your life. Well, Dr. Savell, he had just began his Bible school, and I uh, used to go and, and, and be a guest teacher there from time to time. And he said, right after he got out of prison, he came to Dr. Savell's Bible school, and uh, school had already started. And they said, um, he said, I, I come to register for school. They said, uh, you're too late. It's full. He said, no, you don't understand. I have to get in this. They said, no, you don't understand. It's full. We're to capacity already. He said, no, but you don't understand. I'm supposed to be here. And so they went back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. Long story short, somewhere or another, they let him in. And um, he began to tell me of things when I came to teach in the Bible school. He began to tell me of things that I began to teach. And I said, oh, so you were paying attention. He said, oh, yeah, I've been living by everything I heard you say that first time. And uh, now he's like Brother Jerry's uh, right-hand person. Uh, Jerry trusts him with his life, you know. And the, the guy, God has blessed him with businesses in California and Texas. And um, he's, just, he's just right there to serve and do whatever. Why did his life turn out that way? Most of the people that he operate with, they're either still in prison or they're dead. So why is it that, I mean, I mean, he's wearing custom suits, made suits. You know, somebody just kind of came along and said, you know what? You need any suits? I'm, I'm going to make your suits for you. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to give you the tie, the shirt, the shoes, the socks, and everything go along with it. He said, Brother Clyde, all this started happening for me when I started working with Brother Jerry. And I just started serving him. He said, you know, uh, there's nothing Brother Jared asked me to do that I wouldn't try, go, out, go you know, try to make happen for him. And uh, again, come back to choices. Yes. Life is choice driven. It's what? Choice driven. So again, what we think is a choice. What we think regularly is a choice. 
what we think daily is a choice. And so going back to our scripture that we began with in uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 35, the author writes these words. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You may what? Receive the promise. Verse 38. Now, the just shall live by faith. Faith in God. Trust in God. No matter what is going on, you'll take God at his word. If God said it, that should settle it. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 7, verse 56. I think that's the right reference. Let me double check. 1 Kings 8, 50, uh, 7, 56. Uh, maybe 8, 50, 7, 56. So let's go back to 8. Yep, 8.56. Solomon said this, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. What, what did Solomon observe? There has not failed one word of his good promise. So what's the key to winning? Find out what God said and govern your life according to it. Solomon, the wisest man that lived on the face of the earth. Because, you know, most of the time when we talk and we're discouraged, we're not considering the word of God. We're considering our circumstances. We're considering what other folks may have told us. I was telling somebody, I said, uh, at our church the other day, I said, you know, during uh, economic uh, downturns, as we would term it, people don't know whether to go left or right, people tightening their belt, so to speak, financially, and all this, people being laid off. I said, whenever those times came up, I always would say, I'll never get laid off. And some people think you're crazy. So do you understand, you just got here. There are other people with seniority. You know what that word means, seniority? That doesn't mean anything when it comes to the word of God. Right. Amen. <laughs> I believe God, God will take care of me. God will sustain me. I believe God led me here. And uh, I don't know what they have to do, but it's going to work out. People will tell me, look at me and say, man, I don't know what's wrong with you. You got some issues. I said, my issue is I believe God. I'm like a little kid. Like, like you said, become like a little child. Like my granddaughter one time, my oldest granddaughter, Tanisha. Tanisha, she's, uh, she's a teacher in, um, right outside of Lakeland. She is a um, band director and all this. Um, and I remember one day, she's probably about three, four years old. We were out eating somewhere at the family. And somebody brought up something, and Tanisha said, that's not the way it is. 
They said, yes, it is, Tanisha. She said, no, no, that's not the way it is. I mean, she was very adamant. That's why Marion said we call her Tanisha because she's tenacious. <laughs> and said, we said, no, no, this not, they said, this is not the way it is. She said, yes, it is. And she, tears started coming down her eyes as she sat there. You ever see little kids? They sat there, and you can tell by when they their face kind of changed, and tears coming down. And she said, yes, it is, because my poppy said so. I'm poppy. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she said um, when she was, you know, at our, that one of the newer high schools in the more prominent area of uh, North Melbourne, um, they went to school there. And she said, you know, I'm going to become, uh, I'm going to be a drum major here at this school. You know, how do you think you're going to become drum major at this school? She said, because that's what I want to do. <laughs> and she wound up being drum major at that school for like three years. And then she left there, she went to University of Florida. She said, I'm going to become a drum major here for the Gators. And people said, now wait a minute, you understand how many students are here? 60,000 students here. And where you say you're from? <laughs> Didn't make any difference to where she was from. It's what she believed. Yes. See, she raised up in a household and around the family that said, you can have anything you want. Yes. And, um, and so she said, uh, I'm going to get it. So in order to get it, she had to trial for it. You know, she got selected. She got selected. And she was drum major uh, for two years. And then COVID hit. And while she was drum major, the Gators were winning. I mean, big time. They were winning big time. Yeah, I mean, top 10 teams, you know. And because um, she, she's anointed. And she know what music they play. And the players don't understand what's going on on the field. But, and, and, and hear this, she's in the stadium with 90,000 people. 90,000 people. She's there, uh, I mean, Jacksonville with Georgia and, and Florida Gators, and then she's down in uh, Orlando with the Gators and uh, Miami Hurricanes. 75,000 people. She's there, she's directing the band like she's old time. She's been doing this all her life. She's got an image on the inside. There's nothing that I can't do. And so, you know, they had, they had like two or three other drum majors because you can't handle everything by yourself. And um, so they had a, a, a band, almost 500 students, the people in the band. And you see her see out there directing. I got pictures there in the backdrop. You know, the stands are full. There's my granddaughter. They're directing. And some people are going like, this is not supposed to happen. Well, she didn't know that. <laughs> See, people come up with all the reasons why it's not supposed to happen, which she didn't listen to any of that. She listened to what Poppy said. Poppy said, you can do anything you want to do. You can go anywhere you want to go. You can have anything you want to have. Yeah, and so she, she just believes it. She believes her poppy. Oh, my God. And you talking about preaching the word? She's a good preacher, too. 
and very patient. She got a birthday coming up this month. She'll turn 25. And, uh, but patience. And I'll, te I'll tell you, one thing that helped too is um, every even year, her and her sister and I, we take a trip together. Wherever they want to go. Is that right, Marion? Wherever they want to go, I pay for it. I fly them. We all, the three of us go there. We fly together. They like first class. <laughs> What's happening here? They're also discovering when they meet a guy, how you ought to treat him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, wherever they want to stay, they get to choose the hotel. Wherever we want to eat, they choose the place where we go to eat. I don't have no input in it. When we go shopping, they choose where they want to go. They just love these things right here. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Papa, we need to go do this. We need to go do that. Okay, let's do it. And then when we have our opportunity to sit down, that's my opportunity to talk and impart into them. You see, I didn't want, I didn't want us to be a statistic. Because, you know, there's a thing in this country about black men don't take care of their families. <laughs> I thought, I can change that. Yeah, I can change that. And so I've set out to change that. And guess what? It's impacted them. So it has nothing to do with all that. Stop listening to all that stuff, what folks say. And people are always trying to label you, identify you with who you think you ought to be. Matter of fact, you know, I was raised in the holiness church, right, as a kid. And so we didn't have a TV in our home until I was a junior in high school. People said, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for you. I said, don't feel sorry for me. You don't want to have to watch all that stuff. <laughs> Amen. I just turned that buggy around. <laughs> Amen. I had to remember any of it. Amen. <laughs> and um, then wasn't exposed to any of that. And then one day I got to... Uh, you know, I'm listening to news and stuff like this. And, and they started talking about this, this group of people called minorities. I said, who are they talking about? <laughs> and I asked somebody one day, I went to school, high school, I said, I said, who are they talking about this group of people called minorities? They looked at me like, where you come from? <laughs> like, what, what rock did you just crawl out from under? You know, uh, seemed, seemed like you just came to town, fell off the back of a turnip truck, you know. <laughs> and... Um, and they said, Clyde, they talk about people look like you. I said, people look like me? What do you mean? I said, I'm not no minority. I said, I'm in the majority. I'm with God. Amen. I'm with God. When you're with God, you're in the majority, not the minority. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I just didn't believe it. And I still don't believe it. You know, they come up with all the statistics about this, that, and the other. And again, remember, I said this from the beginning. We were born to win but we've been conditioned to fail. And God's no respecter of person, but he is a respecter of faith. God works with those that work with him. Amen. God will take you as far as you want to go and even beyond. Sometimes I just stop and I just weep. Sometimes I, I, I find myself in places and spaces and I'm going like, 
in the natural according to what they say. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to do this. I remember one time I'm flying into Australia, Sydney, Australia, and I'm sitting in first class. So there's an Aussie sitting next to me. And he kind of looked at me, you know. <laughs> you know, because people wonder, like, okay, so what do you do? Because a lot of people, again, the media perception, you know, if you're riding, flying the first class, you must be doing drugs. Actually, I just got upgraded. That's why I was in first class, you know, because I fly a lot. And so, uh, but I didn't tell him that. <laughs> but, but he wants to know, what do you do? He said, I've been talking to you this whole trip and coming here. He said, he said you seem to be pretty well versed on, on most subjects that I talk about. I said, well, anybody can read. <laughs> Just destroy all the misconceptions. Oh, my God, hear this. When it comes to discouragement, we have to do the same thing. You are not what the government says you are. Matter of fact, the government don't know who they are right now. I'm praying for the government. I don't know, maybe at some point the Lord may let me go into the government. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and help bring some change. Because it's all a lot of stuff just by perception. You know, I love this country. And um, I was ra raised with respect for this country. And um, I know about the history of this country. And, you know, no study about the world and things like this. So I've been preaching, traveling on six continents. You know, I'm not supposed to be, that's not supposed to happen to somebody. I come from the backwoods of Virginia. Even though I was only raised uh, a little over 100 miles outside of Washington, D.C., I was raised when, when um, we didn't have running water in our house. <laughs> and we had kerosene lamps for the longest. Yeah, I was, I, that's the way I was raised. I'm not supposed to escape. As a matter of fact, the name of the, the county that I lived in was called Not Away. You think you're getting out of here? Not away. <laughs> but hear this. But I, I met God. I remember one night, in, matter of fact, October of 1963, I'm at the uh, Free Methodist Church with my mom and my aunt. Pastors come from out of town doing the meeting, and he gave the altar call. I was the only one who got him walked down that night. I still remember it. I'm walking down the aisle, sitting back over in here about three-quarters way back, and I walked up, my pants leg come up over my ankles like I was expecting a flood. <laughs> and now they call them Capri pants. <laughs> yeah, and I got down, I walked down to the altar by myself, and the preacher looked at me and said, yes. I said, well, I come to be saved. And I just stayed with God. Amen. Yeah, so, so actually, um, this month will be my 60th year of walking with God. Amen. <laughs> I'm, tr I'm trying to catch up with Enoch. <laughs> they say he walked with God for 300 years, you know. I said, I'm trying to catch up with him. N now, hear this. Discouragement is some, something that comes at all of us. 
We were born to win. And when we shall. I'm going to. Uh, give you some things that will help you here in. Um, to deal with discouragement. You may want to write these down. And, you know, I say this, all intelligent people talk to themselves. I talk to myself, I talk to myself regularly. Amen. And every now and then I answer myself. But here just a week or two ago, I'm standing and I'm at home by myself. I'm, I'm getting dressed, I'm in the bathroom, and I'm looking in the mirror at myself. You ever look at the mirror at yourself? I mean, just... Not just look at your hair or whatever. I mean, just look at you. Look at your face. Yeah, we're always looking at everybody else's face, but I'm talking about look at your face. Because, see, to look at your face, you need a mirror. And I looked at myself, and I'm, I'm, I heard on my inside, and I just spoke it out of my mouth. Clyde, you have something special in you. You have greatness in you. May I say that, and I start crying. You're talking about tears. I'm like, I'm here at the house by myself. And I'm just a boo-hooing. And I say, yes, I do. I got greatness in me. <laughs> but you know what? I believe it. I believe it. Hear this. Oh, my God. Words are so, so powerful. Right words are so powerful. And reason people get discouraged oftentimes because people use wrong words in speaking to one another. I never tell an individual I hate you. I only say that to the devil. <laughs> Prime example. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, oh, we are at church, right? And so um, we didn't have a drummer that day, so I'm, on the, I'm playing the drums. You know, I used to play drums years ago with uh, another church in Texas when I, we attended there. And so and I, in, in, in through the front door comes, walk down the aisle. Um, I've been married before. Hope you don't hold it against me. <laughs> she decided she wanted to leave, so... I couldn't talk until coming back. And the Lord told me one day, he said, Clyde, let it go. And I thought I couldn't preach or anything like that. Those thoughts were running through my mind. And God told me, he said, Clyde, if people don't listen to me, they won't listen to you either. I said, really? I said, okay. You know, God will help you in life if you go along. You know, that has helped me so many times in relationships with people, church members and different ones, because you can do everything right, and people still go. And you, you can worry, wart yourself, trying to figure out what did I do? What did I say? And uh, you're not the only one that's dealing with things. 
sometimes just people, just being people. They don't know how to deal with stuff themselves, and so they act up. So in come through the door, in through the door comes uh, my uh, ex brother-in-law. Come through the door, first time in 30-some years we've been in Melbourne. They always go to Orlando every year, but they never come over to visit us. We would go over and visit, have lunch with them and all that, dinner, whatever. And so through the door, here they come. <laughs> and uh, I was like shocked, like, whoa. And so uh, they come in, take a seat and everything. I could tell they're kind of uncomfortable. First of all, just about the church pretty much looked like this church if had all white people in it. How this supposed to happen? And people ask me, how, how you get these people coming to your church? I said, I, I just preach the word. Amen. I said, I don't pay anybody to come. And then they bring tithes and offerings too and give gifts. I said, how you get that to happen? I said, it's not me, it's the word. Yeah. So anyway, they come in, they sit down, they get kind of comfortable, you know, <laughs> looking around, praise the Lord. Anyway, so. Afterwards, we had, we had a fellowship meal afterwards, and we went to, um, and then afterwards, they went to our house, but they'd never been to our house before. Well, they come to our house, wow, okay, <laughs> hey, y'all doing all right, <laughs> yeah, we doing all right, been doing all right for a while. <laughs> so anyway, um, they stayed about three, four hours. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. So then I called them up because, you know, they would go back to Orlando, Kissimmee, stay at the hotel. I called them, I called them up and said, hey, you guys want to meet in St. Cloud and maybe have lunch? This catfish place. Well, we go to this catfish place. There's another friend of my, uh, uh, mine. They integrated our schools in the town that we were in when I was in the second grade. And so this guy because he's Caucasian, and I, we've been friends since then. And so I invited him to come over to uh, have lunch with us. So he comes over, and he's sitting there talking. He's just going on and on and on. He said, I'll tell you what, I've been knowing Clyde since the second grade. Of course, they kind of looking like I, I, I said, I'm going to leave that alone. I ain't even going to go there. <laughs> you know, because nowadays you don't know about people. That's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway, so they're looking at me, strange, look at him, and I was like, I'm thinking, I saying, ain't nothing going on here. Because, you know, that's the culture nowadays. Y'all two guys, y'all been friends that long? Yeah, we just friends. That's it. <laughs> we just friends. That's it. Yeah. But it's amazing how culture makes you think. And, um, and so he's just talking. He said, you know, he looked at him and told him, said, you know what, I trust him with my life. They said, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And all of a sudden, my ex-sister-in-law sitting right next to me, kind of sitting back behind a little bit, pushed away from the table, and she started had tears coming down her eyes. She used to be an NYPD. And um, she told me one day, she said, you know, and I come to find out she was the one to finance my ex-wife leaving. Because I was trying to figure, how did my wife get that money to get on the plane and go leave me, leave me like that? You know, I know I ain't leave with that much money. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Yeah, so she was the one behind it. And I look back, and she got tears coming down her eyes because she's listened to my friend Roger talk. She's been around us for just a little bit, been in our home and all this, been around Marion, you know, because she had told me one time, she said, you know, I was going to kill you. I was like shocked, like, how could somebody kill me? <laughs> I mean, all, all things coming out of me, the love of God. I, I mean, I ain't doing nothing hurting nobody, you know. And, and so she's sitting here, she, tears coming down her eyes, and she said out of her mouth, I didn't even know who you were. I didn't even know who you were. And the rest of them, the family member, they start chiming in and say, so you were in a bad place in that time of your life anyway. Da, 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 da. She said, no, no, no. I didn't know who he was. He, he's a good man. I'm like, yeah, I was a good man. <laughs> Always been good. <laughs> Amen. My mama whipped the devil out of me, and I decided not to go find him. <laughs> Amen. Here, there's, there's some things you can say to people. Help them where discouragement is concerned, just like I spoke to myself. I wasn't discouraged. I just heard myself say this. Uh, you got something special in you. You know what that does for you? My mama always told me, she said, just be yourself no matter where you are, Clyde. She said, whether you're in the White House or you're in the outhouse. Because <laughs> we didn't have indoor plumbing, we had outhouse. You know? <laughs> she said, just be you. So I just learned to be me. Amen. And uh, if you don't like it, that's not my problem. That's your problem. But I'll tell you one thing. Clyde likes himself some Clyde. Amen. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Matter of fact, here's some things you, here are the things you can say to yourself and also to other people. Um, number one, tell them you're not alone. Because some people get discouraged. I, I, I'm so lonely. I'm all by myself. I feel like I'm the only one in the world. Listen, you're not alone. Loneliness zaps your strength and joy. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Romans 8, 31, 32. If God be for you, who can be against you? You are not alone. Amen. Somebody say, I'm not alone. Amen. Number two, God will provide for you. God will what? He will provide for you. Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's my what? He's my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalms 37, 25. David said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed out begging for bread. Amen. <laughs> You're not alone. God will provide for you. Number three, you have a divine purpose. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Clyde, there's something special about you. You got, you got greatness in you. Man, y'all need to talk to yourself rather than repeating what everybody else say about you. You need to talk to yourself. Build yourself up. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And people, people now, sometimes people don't know what to, how to deal with me. Like we had a, a Republican countywide convention, and we were supposed to have the Scott brothers. Tim Scott and Rick Scott, both senators. They're supposed to be, be, be speaking, you know. And something happened. They, they weren't able to, to, to be there. But anyway, my wife and I, we get to the, to the place. We come in, the place is packed. And of course, nobody in there looked like us. 
So you know what I did? I grabbed my wife's hand. We just started walking down front. Of course, all heads did like this. <laughs> I walked like I owned that place. And then I sat down and I faced everybody and I looked at them. Somebody said, how you get a seat? That, Tim Scott wasn't there and Rick Scott weren't there, so there were two seats left. <laughs> I sat there, I sat there and I crossed my leg. Yeah, as people look at me and say, how you doing? <laughs> it's like, don't you feel like you're out of place? I said, I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Here this Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He wants to give you an expected end. I'm here to tell you today that you have a divine purpose. Somebody say, I have a divine purpose. Amen. Glory to God. Number four, your future is bright. Oh, my God. I talk to myself all the time. My future is bright. I don't care what's going on. I'll tell you, it seems like sometimes everything's going awry. But guess what? I don't, I don't get, in, get up and talk about that. I get up and talk about where I'm headed. And it's amazing how stuff just kind of happens. <laughs> Somebody said, how'd that happen? People are like, how you wind up in Florida? I drove. <laughs> how you get to Africa? I flew. Like, well, who do you know over there? God. Because <laughs> they're trying to figure out all the natural connections. I would say 90% of what's happened in our life and ministry has not been because of natural connection. It's been because of God. Amen. Your future is bright. You can live in the hardest of times if you know that your future, hear this, will be better. And you can't beat heaven for a great future. We are resilient. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We are resilient. Number five, God and you can do anything. God and you can do anything. <sighs> There's one guy uh, who used to live in Texas. There's one guy who now lives in um, Anchorage, Alaska. We, we helped pioneer a church there. And so on Sundays, you know, they have these um, open, what they call it, the, the open houses, in the, the newer homes, what they call it, is that special? Open house, yeah. So they would have that. And I always would tell him, let's go look at some new houses. And I found out years later, he's telling me later, he said, you know why I'm living where I'm living right now? It's because of Brother Clyde. He said he would always say, let's go look at these, let's go look at these new homes. And I'm talking about at the time, these were million dollar homes compared to today. And we didn't live anywhere near a million dollars and we couldn't afford nowhere near a million dollars. But guess what? We could look. We just made sure we had enough gas to get out of the subdivision. <laughs> and we would, we, would, we would go into the subdivision. Man, I tell you, we'd go looking and we'd see things. Oh, my God. Wow, I see stuff I've never seen anywhere else. None of my family had anything like this. 
you know, nobody I knew had anything like this. So we're just dreaming. I'm telling you now, the things that I have on the inside, take a lot to impress me. I went to Dubai, I'm like, hmm, okay. My wife, in dealing with me, she tried to keep me grounded sometimes. I'm always up in the air, you know. <laughs> come back down, come back down, come back down. <laughs> and, um, and I believe in dealing with things, you know, what does stuff cost and all that, counter costs and all that. <clears throat> but I'm not limited to that. And you're not limited to that. You can have whatever you say. Amen. That's Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. What do you have working in you? See, once you begin to think this way, you're liberated from what other people think about you. And there is nothing that you can't do if you stay focused. And my whole thing is to help other people to come up. You know, um, God blessed us because of um, with some business opportunities and all. And um, there was this one family that didn't look like me. Their vehicles broke down. And um, I, uh, they told me, I said, hey, we got to get a new vehicle. And... Um, <clears throat> I said, okay. I said, well, let's go check things out. Well, we go check things out. <clears throat> they see this one car they really like. And um, come to find out, they didn't have enough money to get the vehicle. And I, uh, I spoke to the dealer. I said, would you let them have the car for the money that they have? And I'll pay the rest. That dealer snapped his head around because, again, I didn't fit the mold. They kind of figure like, who are you supposed to be to these people? You think something is strange? You see, see what it looked like when I go see people in the hospital. Remember my congregation, predominantly Caucasian, right? So I walk up in there, and the nurses and the doctors, they're like, who are you? Like, I'm not supposed to be in there because I don't look like them. I said, I'm their daddy. <laughs> And whatever they're dealing with, I come here to deal with it. But the people love me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Um, forgot my train of thought there. When I said I'm their daddy. <laughs> yeah, the car. So, so, so I, I said that to the dealer, and he snapped in. He said, Pastor, you would do that? I said, sure. See, I don't look at church members as just being, oh, you're just a church member. You go, you such and such family. No, no. We are really family. We are body. And God bless you to be a blessing. And so uh, he said, okay, I'll do that. I told him, I said, I'll pay you a thousand a month till I paid off. Now he was shocked. 
a preacher, going to pay a thousand a month. He's all messed up. He said, I tell you what, I'm not even going to charge you any interest. I said, well, okay, thank you. Then paid it, paid it off. He was shocked. I would call every month and say, hey, give me another payment. Hey, give me another payment. Then finally said, what's the payoff? Last payoff I sent in, I gave him was like $1,800. Of course, they're trying to figure out, where did you get this kind of money from? <laughs> Obeying God. Yeah. And when you are a giver, God will see that you all, hear this, I found out God will support your habit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Amen. When you are a giver, God will support your habit. Right. Praise the Lord. Oh, my God. Yes. And so, matter of fact, I just want you to re reiterate these things as we wrap up here. Uh, I mean, I could, I could keep going. I just, I get in the river and I start flowing. Yeah, I have no sense of time, but I look at my wife sometimes. <clears throat> she can let me know what time it is. <laughs> no, no, she don't mess with me. All right, I want you to stand to your feet. Because guess what? I want these things to get on your inside. Because everybody has opportunity to deal with discouragement. Perhaps some people here, I don't believe I just preach today, just be preaching. Just give some information. But I know we all deal with things. And if we just obey the Holy Ghost, God will help us. You know, we deal with some what we call challenging times right now. I recognize that. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in everything. You know, and people say, well, I thought this was, I thought this was it. I thought... You know, but I, 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 we just missed it or we just we lost us. We lost that. And, you know, I don't know. I just don't know what to do about the kids. And hear this. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Things are turning around today. That's right. Now, hear this. Proverbs chapter six, verse two said you were snared by the words of our mouth. So. Let's just change that. Sure, we're going to face challenges, but guess what? Challenges, challenges are not going to define us. Right. Amen. Matter of fact, we're going to step over them. Yeah. Amen. We're going to chew them up and spit them out. <laughs> Repeat this after me. Hmm. What am I going to say? I am not alone. God is with me. God is for me. He's not against me. God will provide for me. God will provide for my ministry, for my family, for my business, on my job. God will provide for me. I have a divine purpose. I have a divine purpose. My future is bright. <laughs> God and I, we can do anything. We can go down for going over. See, when Jesus was in your boat, you're going to be all right. I don't care what it looked like outside. I don't care how much winds and waves that come up. You're going to survive. Somebody say, I'm a survivor. <laughs> Amen. I am a winner. It runs in my family. It's in my DNA. I win every day. My family is blessed. Amen. You got to hear this. 
The key is speaking, taking control of your thought life. And um, for all this to work, you got to keep yourself in the love of God. As my ex-sister-in-law said, I didn't even know who you were. Sometimes people are told things that are not necessarily true, and they develop a belief. Yeah, that's why we shouldn't be quick to make judgments. Gather the facts. I mean, of course, this is 40 years later, but <laughs> I'm glad she didn't kill me. <laughs> May I hear this? Now, she was sitting right there, and she had a purse, and she had a piece in it. Because again, you know, police, it's the police, they believe in carrying their peace. <laughs> so they can maintain the peace. <laughs> and don't let nobody talk you out your Second Amendment rights. So we all can have some peace. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for these that are gathered here today and those that may be watching online. None of this by accident. This divine appointment, we thank you for the love that you have for new life, for the membership here, those that are watching online. We thank you for the good work that you've begun in them and that you're going to finish it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that as they have heard the word spoken today, I thank you that they are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we call on the Holy Spirit to bring supernatural recall, to bring these things back to their memory in the time when they needed the most, and that they'll not just hear the vo Holy Ghost's voice, but that they will take those words up and begin to speak those, those words out in Jesus' name and conquer anything that's trying to conquer them in Jesus' name. Satan, we renounce you. We say and declare you have no power, no authority over us. You've been defeated. You've been disarmed. And Jesus is Lord over our life. Jesus is Lord over this church. Jesus is Lord over this county. And we decree and declare that the glory of God resides here and people are going to come. They're going to join themselves to the people that are here and they shall continue to. Matter of fact, generational, that this will be known as a generational church where people from the from the from the from the from the basket from the nursery all the way up to uh, seniors they'll be known to be in this place and I thank you right now father that you're moving I thank you that people's hearts are shifting even now and I thank you right now that you said if you be lifted up you'll draw all men unto yourself so we call forth right now even uh, family members, uh, children that may seem like they're not with us. We call them in right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for you speaking by your Holy Spirit, that you're talking to them, that they hear your voice, and that they are quick to obey in Jesus' name. I thank you right now for doing this on their behalf right now, and I rejoice and I thank you, Father, that there is nothing 
that this church has need of, but that it shall be supplied in the name of Jesus, abundantly supplied in Jesus' name. We rejoice and we thank you that not only the church, but every church member. Hey, Father, I thank you right now for showing yourself strong, even in the midst of what's going on in our nation, what's going on in the world. Lord, I thank you and I praise you right now that you are showing yourself to be the greater one in Jesus' name. We rejoice and we thank you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Give the Lord a shout and give him a praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Clyde. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That was good, wasn't it? That was rich. That's rich. It's the kind of richness where you don't go, oh, that was too rich. I can't eat that. No, no, no. It's like rich is good. Rich is good. Go ahead and be seated for a moment. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock. All right. Praise God. I'll be here. I want to share with you for a moment from Luke chapter 4. Verse 19 from the Amplified Bible. Hallelujah. Wasn't that a blessing? You get that working in your life, you'll really be blessed. If you were blessed in hearing it, imagine how blessed you'll be in doing it. Amen. It says here about Jesus, he's, he, he mentioned this about himself when he was in the synagogue in his hometown. And he says, to proclaim the accepted an acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. You know, I believe that's what Pastor Clyde's talking about, you know, the favors of God being poured out uh, in this day and in this time, and we live in that time. Amen. All of the things that you heard him talk about that was about uh, uh, things that had happened in people's lives and, and uh, how increase was taking place in their lives in many different areas. That's all about the favors of God. You know, I've, I heard about the favors of God years ago, and I set my faith on the favors of God. And nothing around me looked like favor was even trickling in any area. You know what I mean? But I said it. I said it for a bit, and nothing changed. So I said it a little bit more and declared it again. Things improved a little bit. Then I said it more and continued to believe what the Word of God said, and things would improve a little bit more. So it was again and again and again and continual improvement over time. Because it's important to know what the Word of God says, because the devil comes, like Pastor Clyde said, he wants to put those thoughts in your head and try to rob that Word away from you. Isn't that right? Amen. And, um, you know, so I heard about the favors of God, but then I also saw in Deuteronomy 28, that said that if you will listen and hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all that he said, then the, then the blessings of God will not just come on you, but they'll overtake you. They will run you down and overtake you. Isn't that right? And, you know, it's all about a lifestyle. With God, it's all about a lifestyle. What you heard Pastor Clyde talk about today, it's about putting it into your life. You know, it's not a one-time deal. You know, a one-time deal gives you a one-time blessing. But a lifestyle deal give you a lifestyle of blessing. Isn't that right? Amen. So this is not just trying to get something. It's about becoming 
what the Word of God says you can be and then living what God said that you can be. Amen. You know, there's no shortfalls in the Word of God. And what you heard today was about the favors of God abounding into your life. So make these things a lifestyle. Isn't that right? So as we sow into Pastor Clyde and Marion's ministry this morning, I want you to sow into the favors of God profusely abounding in your life. Take hold of the word of God that you heard today. Sow into what you heard today and then give yourself to it. And between the word of God, your covenant with God, and your connection with God through the seed that is sown, you're going to see things start to change in your life. Pastor Clyde just declared it over you. Man, you need to get this. You need to hear it again. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. It'll start to affect your choices, start to affect your decisions, and you'll find the things start to slip away and the things of God start to increase and grow. Can you say amen? Father, we bless you and praise you. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have brought to us today. Father, we are we are we are been edified, but we are so ready to take hold of what we've heard today and get them into our heart and get them into our life, that it become part of our everyday lifestyle, Father, that as we take hold of these things, that the the, the plans and the thoughts that the enemy has towards us shall become easily recognized. And we'll stand against those things, Father. And we'll take hold of what your word says and walk in the promises of it. We sow our seed today, Father, into that which we have heard. We're sowing into this impartation of the word. Sowing into, just like when the Shunammite woman sowed into Elisha, for it was the anointing passing by. This anointing has come our way, and we're sowing into it this day because we desire and we declare that we will take hold of these things and have them working in our life. So, Father, I thank you, Father, for the seed that sows that will produce fruit in this area in our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Again, if you need an uh, uh, envelope for cash or for credit card giving, it's on the seat back in front of you. If you're giving by check, just make it out to New Life, and we'll make sure that everything goes to Pastor Clyde. If you're online this morning or on podcast, wherever you may be, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you. And I know the Word of God blessed you out there just like it blessed us in here because there's no distance in the Spirit. And the same anointing that was moving in this room moved right there where you might be. If you'd like to sow seed into Pastor Clyde's ministry, just go to our website at newlifefamilyworship.net and click on the giving link. And then in the description box, put in there Pastor Clyde, and we'll make sure that anything and everything that comes in online will go directly into his ministry. Amen.